Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This time from Pastor Graham Mabry. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. And I have the privilege of speaking at 60 years plus one. To those who said I was here on the first week, rude souls, no I was not. (laughs) Mind you, I was old enough to be. But it's a great privilege to be speaking on the first week after our 60th anniversary. And what a fabulous way to begin. By my spirit, that's the series, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. See, it's not... It's not by accident that his name is used as a curse. It's not by accident that it's profaned. It's uniquely profaned. Tell me one other name that is used as a curse. It's not, it's not, that's not by accident. Jesus Christ is used and denigrated. When I was working at 6PR many years ago, uh, our mid-dawn announcer, I used to go at midnight, he took over, went through till 6am, uh, and this is not the one who's there, either of the ones that are there now, this is way back, uh, he always used to come in late, and uh, this night he rushed in in his pyjamas, which was radio, not television, so it didn't matter, so he came rushing in in his pyjamas, they were all guys that were working on the night shift, so it was all good, uh, but he was complete, he, only got, he got there at about two minutes past 12, he had to go on air at five past 12, and the first thing, read the weather. And he's throwing papers around on the desk and then said at the top of his lungs in his frustration, Jesus Christ, where's the weather forecast? So I said to him, oh, mate, uh, he sends the weather, but he doesn't print the forecasts. And he kind of went, oh, sorry, mate, sorry, sorry, sorry. See, he had no idea he had even said it. But think about that. Why would the name of Jesus be denigrated? There's power in that name. There's power in that name. And we get to talk about the name of Jesus which permeates the book of Acts. It's at least, it depends how you count these things, but it's at least 32 times in the 28 chapters there's some reference to the name of Jesus. It permeates. And we get to talk about a miracle today, a miracle done in Jesus' name. Miracles um, actually reminds me, I don't play golf, I haven't been uh, involved, but for those who've been afflicted with the Scots Revenge, uh, you would probably enjoy this. There's a, a mug I saw in Las Vegas, it's for golfers, and it said, if it goes right, it's a slice. If it goes left, it's a hook. If it goes straight down the middle, it's a miracle. And uh, I remember once being at a Rotary Club as their guest speaker and a guy with a broad smile poured some water in my glass and said, Graham, that's water. If you want anything else, change it. Um, and uh, I said to him, oh no, that's head office. <laughs> I don't, I've, I've just, I'm in the service department on the West Coast. That's, you, you've got to have direct line from head office to be able to do that sort of thing. But we have a Prime Minister who began his acceptance speech I've always believed in miracles. Well, we have a fabulous miracle. The first one recorded in the book of Acts, there were lots. Acts chapter 2 tells us that everyone was amazed at the miracles being done through the apostles. But this is the first one recorded, and it's in Acts Acts chapter 3, if you have your Bible in real or electronic form. And I think Heather is going to read it for us. Thanks, Heather. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those 
going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Thanks, Heather. Beautifully read. Appreciate that. This miracle, as miracles do, impacted everybody. But it didn't impact everybody the same way. The authorities said everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign. We can't deny it. But what was their aim? Let's stop this thing spreading any further. See, miracles on their own don't create faith. They create interest. People can't deny what's happened, but it doesn't necessarily create faith. Actually, the scripture says in Acts chapter 4, many who heard the message believed about 5,000 heard the message. See, faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's why we give such a high place to singing the word and speaking the word in our services. But miracles do not only gain attention, they're actually a vital sign of the church being alive. Miracles are a vital sign that God is at work. The recurring theme last week as we celebrated 60 years was, look what the Lord has done. God's story after God's story and so many hundreds not told. When this building was about to be opened, I'd been part of casting the vision. I, had, I was in the senior pastor role in those days, but I had nothing to contribute to a building program, so I stayed away. And two weeks before we opened, our executive pastor, Ian, said, uh, Ian Warlow, said, Graham, you and Mel better walk through, have a look at the place just before the opening. So I did. And as we wandered around this facility, I said to Merle, we, we are a couple of kids from the suburbs. Look what God has done. Look what the Lord has done. And as I prayed and prepared for this morning, so many other God stories that came back to me. For example, from the McMath family who were here, John and Mari went to serve in the South Pacific Islands on mission at one stage. As John was an educator went out there and served in that capacity. And the island they were on got its supplies by boat, only where the supplies came in. And Murray, the boat was delayed for some reason or another, and Murray got down to the last little bit of flour, and she used to love to tell the story that she would use that bit of flour, open the bin the next day, and there was flour there, and she would use that last bit and open the bin, and there was flour there to feed her family, use that. And one morning, she opened, after several days, she opened the bin and there was nothing. And she actually said, Lord, it's a story. 
and looked through the kitchen window and could see her husband John riding his bike up from where the school was and he had come to tell her the boats come in and the supplies have arrived. I was in New Zealand doing a, a job for 6PR and uh, with Merle and the boys and we had all my broadcasting equipment and all my interviews stolen out of our car. And so we looked, we frantically looked uh, in Christchurch where we were, didn't have any time to look any further, didn't find anything of course. And so we hopped on the plane. When we went to the plane, because of a big rugby game, all the flights had been messed up. We were on a different flight. Merle wasn't sitting with me. And all the time I'd been in New Zealand, Rob Kane was our youth pastor at that stage. And he said, Graham, when you go to New Zealand, you've got to meet Ian Grant. Now, speaking of miracles, Ian was the director of Youth for Christ New Zealand. He was also a television presenter, except he had a horrendous stutter that only stopped when he started to speak on television with his ministry. When he turned up to audition, he said to the person on the gate uh, that he'd come, and the guy said, why have you come? And he said, oh, to try out for television. And the guy said, you're joking. And he said, no, trust me. And so I looked for this guy all over New Zealand and could not find him, and I thought, oh, Kane, he's made him up. He's got a great television program, but nobody knows him. When we are on the plane, uh, some guy climbed over Merle to go and see the pilot because he'd been invited up there in the days when you were allowed to. And I thought, oh, that's not too good. I'll swap seats with Merle so he can climb over me, not her. And as he climbed over me, I noticed he had a Youth for Christ badge on his bag. So I said to him, I thought, well, I, don't know, I don't care who you are, you're going to pray with me, you're a Christian, and we got, a tr- we got trouble. And he, I said, I'm Graham Mabry, and he went, yeah, I'm Ian G- G- Grant. So after looking for two weeks in mixed up flights in the wrong seat, I sit next to this guy and I wish I had time to tell you the whole story. But as we're landing in Wellington, he's praying quite loudly that God would return our gear, saying, Lord, this is your servant. This is not right. Father, we, we, we and I can tell you that through the most of the gear was thrown back into the garden from which it had been stolen. And, and it got back to Perth before we did because someone happened to be in New Zealand, happened to find an amazing string of, of events to get that gear back. That's how it is for Christians. But this series is not about studying life-changing encounters in the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts alone. Of course we want to study them. But it is about experiencing them in this room this morning right now. See, studying and experiencing are not the same thing. Anyone who goes to our infused cafe proves this. In fact, we have a new, win- a delicious new winter menu, which is available in the cafe now. I've tried some. I can speak from the... No, a little bit of a... a, little bit of a I said I'd do a little bit of a commercial for them when we got to this point. But a, a menu is a promise. It's the promise of a meal. Now, you can study that promise... And you can ask the chef, you can question the wait staff, you can question other diners, but you never know until you taste. You never know until you try the meal. That's experience. Scripture is God's menu. It's a menu, a promise from God. Peter actually says, God has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Now I can tell you, the Bible says, if you believe the promises, you, be, you participate with God in his nature. And you can study that, you can talk to each other about it, but it doesn't matter a heel of beans until you taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This other example came to me as I prepared, marriage. I've studied the Marriage Act. 
In fact, I've done tests on it to become an authorised celebrant. Uh, Over the years, I've talked to the registrars about some of the finer detail when marriages were a bit complicated. Merle and I have trained to do that prepare enrich pre-marriage work with young couples, try to help them have the best marriage possible. But none of that means I've experienced marriage. Now that happened more than a decade before. On the 19th of December 1970 at the Gospel Lighthouse in Victoria Park, before God and our family and friends, Merle and I committed to one another in Christian marriage. And you can see, I married up, hey. So by God's grace and by Merle's patience, that journey that began then in December 19, this year will be 49 years that we've been married. But I've discovered there's a huge difference between 49 years of marriage and one year of marriage 49 times over. See, marriage can just become a hollow, empty, beige rut where all you share is an address and the bills. Or couples can discover this tremendous gift that God has given of intimacy at a level that's so profound you don't actually, you can't, Describe it until you experience it. Paul says the two become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. And as I worshipped here a couple of weeks ago, we were singing that song, "Beautiful Saviour King. And a sentence just jumped out at me for this morning. And here it is. Let now your church shine as the bride that you saw in your heart as you offered up your life. See, the Bible tells us Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. The joy, that's actually in the Greek for accomplishing the goal. In John's gospel, the last thing he says from the cross is finished. What was the goal? Well, see, Jesus could have gone back to heaven. He wasn't killed. Don't ever let, I I dislike songs which suggest that Jesus was killed or his blood was spilled because it rhymes. His blood was shed. His life was given. He said, nobody. He said to Pilate, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. When Peter pulled his sword out, Jesus said, Peter, put your sword back. I could call my father now and 72,000 fighting angels would be here battle ready. More if I want them. See, he was set on the goal. And what was his goal? He was going back to the father, but he was taking his bride with him. I'm not going back to the father on my own. I'm taking my bride and this communion tells you what price he paid to take you home. Why he hung on the cross? You were in his heart. He held his bride in his heart. I remember talking to Bob Clark shortly before he went home to the Lord. He'd had a surgery for the the, the, uh, tumour that was uh, threatening his life and he said to me, Merlin, I was sitting with him in his hospital room and he said, Graham, this could be hallucination. It could be the drugs they're giving me. But he said, I had this vision. And he said, I'd gone to heaven. And heaven was like this huge hotel. And in the reception area was Jesus. And he welcomed me. He said, welcome, Bob. Welcome home. And then he said to me, Bob, let me take you and show you my magnificent father. Let me introduce you to my magnificent father. I said, Bob... I don't think it was hallucination. And if it was, it's blessing me. It's a great hallucination. We had our staff prayer meeting this week and Michael Yu, our youth pastor, who if you know Michael, he's a very prayerful man. 
And in one of, when he was praying, he used this phrase. He said, oh, Father, let us experience the tangible weightiness of who you are. And it was evident he wasn't talking about a study he'd done. He was talking about a father he knows. And, was, and this morning, I want, I want with all my heart for you to experience the tangible weightiness and the length and the depth and the breadth and the height of the love that Jesus has for you that took him to the cross and held him there. Nick said he had a sense that the father wants his family back in leading the movement day, movement here in WA. The last two weeks, I've had a growing sense that Jesus wants his bride here at Mount Pleasant. He doesn't want routine, week in, week out, dutiful stuff. He wants a bride. He wants a living relationship with his people who he loves to a depth they can't begin to imagine. As I've prepared, I've found myself often saying one of the most ancient prayers in the church, come Holy Spirit. And it's much more important you hear from him than me. And, only hear, and, 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 and the, all you hear from me is from him. So would you close your eyes with me? You might want to just open your palm. No one will be looking. No one will know. But it might help to, uh, I've done this every time I've prayed this prayer, just put your palms upwards on your lap or just in front of you, saying, I, I'm, I want to receive, Lord. Just a little physical sign that I'm, I want to receive. Come, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen, thank you, thank you. Well, it was three o'clock in the afternoon and going up to the temple, there's bustle and noise and people and animals and maybe some people singing psalms as they went up because three o'clock in the afternoon was when the Jewish people prayed. And uh, so this in amongst all of this bustle, God's at work. God is bringing three people together. So I've put it against that background. God's at work here. See, because Heather read to us, Peter and John were going up to the temple. Now, that's not surprising because Acts 2 tells us the baby church was meeting in the courts of the temple. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. So Peter and John are going up at the time of prayer to where the church is gathered. They've obviously got a plan. At the same time, this lame man is being carried up. God bringing these two three people sorry together because Jesus is building his church now if you know the Peter of the gospels he wasn't known for quiet reflection was he he was the man of action impetuous boom he's into it what was the nickname God gave John (laughs) Jesus gave John son of thunder so these guys are not quiet you know they're, they're men of action and they're striding up to go to somewhere yet they both stop simultaneously when this beggar calls out both of them stop together that's interesting see uh, it, it actually says that um, Peter looked straight at him as did John and then Peter said look at us how did that happen why this beggar why this day well see they've been filled with the spirit and now they walk in step with the spirit they're not robots they're not puppets but they've become sensitive to that still small voice that we can so often miss Merle and I often say at times when things happen you know the Lord did speak to me and I just pushed past it 
But Peter and John hear the still small voice amid all the commotion and go, you, (laughs) look at us. This is time. Almost certainly this lame man, he'd been carried there for 40 years. Well, he's 40 years old, sorry, and he'd been carried there for years because everybody knew him. Once he was healed, all the people knew him. So he would have to have known about this one who healed other cripples, made them walk. Jesus could well have walked past him as he was going to and from the temple in the days leading up to his crucifixion and resurrection. I wonder whether that cripple thought, well, why not me? What did I do wrong? God obviously doesn't have me on his list. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us whether he thought that or not, but the Bible does tell us that there is a time for every purpose under heaven. It's in the mural on the wall out there as you leave near the coffee shop. And this is this cripple's day. Jesus didn't heal him in his physical body. It was important for this cripple to be healed on this day when his healing, so well known to everybody else, would cause the church to explode. And Jesus was coming to him, not in his physical body, but in the body of Christ, the people who had the Holy Spirit within them, within whom Jesus was by the Holy Spirit. That's why I wanted to pray, come Holy Spirit, this morning. It's so important that you hear from him. Because, see, I know two things. Two things are certain this morning. Jesus is here. Wherever two or three gather, in my name, I am there. And you are not here by accident. I don't don't care what combination of events caused you to be sitting in this seat and whether you never planned to be, you're not here by accident. What if everything that's happened to bring you to this seat at this moment was a setup? A setup to bring you into contact and make you aware. A setup motivated by a love that you cannot begin to comprehend. A love for you that is so deep. And if you're sitting there thinking, oh, come on, Graham, yeah, sure. For others, maybe not for me. If you're thinking, no way, this is especially for you. See, I love the fact that this story is told by Dr. Luke. And it comes through very much in the Greek. But even when you read the English, you get this sense. He starts out giving us a case history. He says, this man was lame. He was over 40 years old. He was congenitally lame. He'd been lame since birth. So this means the entire structure of his legs was wasted away. And his brain had never learnt to walk. So when he immediately starts walking and jumping, he's got a neurological miracle as well as a physical one. This guy is utterly unable to help himself. And yet, he becomes the incarnation, the embodiment of the promise of the Messiah. Isaiah said, when the Messiah comes, the lame will leap like a deer. And this guy does. The utterly unable to help himself. See, the gospel is for those who realize they're utterly unable to help themselves. In fact, the gospel is only for them. In Jesus' name never works until we realize we cannot do anything for ourselves. Until we truly see that's us. I love the way Brennan Manning starts the ragamuffin gospel. And I think what he says about that, one of my favorite books, actually applies to the gospel in the scriptures. He says this, this is not for muscular Christians who've made John Wayne their hero, not Jesus. 
It's not for academics who try to imprison Jesus in the ivory tower of their exegesis. It's not for noisy, feel-good folks who manipulate Christianity into a naked appeal to emotion. It's not for hallelujah Christians who only live on the mountaintop and never visit the valley of desolation. And it's not for legalists who'd rather surrender control of their souls to rules than run the risk of, de- of, than run the risk of living in union with Jesus. So who is the gospel for? I love this. The gospel is for the bedraggled, beat up, burnt out, bent and bruised who feel their lives are a grave disappointment to God. Sorely burdened, still shifting the heavy suitcase from one hand to the other, inconsistent, unsteady disciples whose cheese is falling off their cracker, poor, weak, sinful with hereditary faults and limited talents. Boy, I so relate to that. In my own brokenness, I easily, I see myself just with this suitcase of stuff kind of shifting it, wobbling with the cheese, falling off the cracker. That's, I, I imagine that God's view of me on a good day is mild disappointment and many other days is disgust. But that's a lie. I'm not the only one in this room who thinks like that. But I want to tell everybody, that's a lie. Do you know what Jesus says? I want to say to, you, to me, and I want to say to all of you in Jesus' name, what he says about me. Jesus says, you are precious and honourable in my sight. You are precious and honoured, and I love you. When you walk through the water, you won't drown. When you pass through the fire, I'll be with you. You won't be burned. I've carved you on the palms of my hand. You are ever before me. I know how many hairs on your head. You know what a budgie is sold for? You're more valuable than many of those. I will never, never, never leave you. You are my bride. In Jesus' name. Communion shows what he says. Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he tells the people, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see was made strong. Now, some people think in Jesus' name is the sign that the prayer is about to end. Uh, If it's been a long, boring prayer, they go, hallelujah. Or some people think in Jesus' name is a little formula that you spray on to guarantee success. In Jesus' name, put that on, that'll help. It's neither of those things. It's so much more than any of that. See, a name means far more than a means of just identifying someone. The very first question that the authorities ask is, by what power or in what name did you do this? When, when David was talking about building the temple, he says, the temple will be built for the name of the Lord. When you speak or act in the name of someone in this sense, or the name of something, you have their authority and their power. So the Romans spoke in the name of Caesar with his authority and power behind it. Later on, it was in the name of the king, still later in the name of the law. But you only had that authority on their terms, not yours. This is especially true of the name of Jesus. See, the notion that Jesus' Jesus name, in Jesus' name is some magic phrase that you kind of add, comes from hearing half of a sentence that Jesus said. The second half of a sentence that Jesus said was, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it. And you can think, oh, wow, happy days. Lord, I ask you for, insert what you lust for here, in Jesus' name. 
Lord, I ask you for the winning lotto numbers in Jesus' name. I tell you, that doesn't work. The, 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 uh, that's, that, 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 of course, that's a nonsense. The minute you stop to think about it, that's a nonsense. It's not like abracadabra at Aladdin's cave or open sesame. That'd be silly, wouldn't it? That would make me God and God my servant, my butler or something. Imagine Dan saying to little Seb, little Sebastian, ask me for anything and I will do it. The results would be disastrous, wouldn't it? I remember hearing a story of a, a little girl coming out of the, her father's study with a, a bucket and a sponge. And uh, the dad said, what have you been doing? She said, oh, I heard you talking to mummy and saying your computer really needed to be cleaned up, but you didn't have time, so I've given it a good wash. Obviously, it's not us in the driver's seat using in Jesus' name to get our lusts fulfilled. What Jesus said in full was this. If you, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father... Thanks, Cecilia. The, thank you. Yeah, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask anything in my name and I will do it. See, Jesus' only purpose on earth was to bring glory to his Father. He said, I only do the things that please him. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. And when we pray in Jesus' name, we, want to, we mean, Lord, I pray this obeying you as you obeyed your Father. Lord, do through me what you would do if you were here in physical form. Often I'll say to people when praying with them, what's the Lord saying to you? To get a sense of what is Jesus doing? In Jesus' name means obeying as he did. So let's sum up. What does it mean when we pray in Jesus' name? Well, it means first we relinquish our desires and our agendas. Peter starts his talk by saying, why are you staring at us as if by our own power we did this? It's nothing to do with us. This is him. And we reground our relationship, not in how good we're going, but in what Jesus did on the cross and in the empty tomb. God has glorified his servant Jesus. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses of this. Dan led us in an amazing prayer on uh, the staff prayer day, that, that wonderful prayer of Paul's where he says that, I pray you'll be filled to all the fullness of God. Who doesn't want that? Filled to all the fullness of God. That's what God wants for you this morning, I believe. When does that happen? Well, it happens when together with all the Lord's people, that includes you. Together with all the Lord's people, we grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love which passes human knowledge. In other words, you have a unique capacity to show the love of a resurrected Jesus who loves you and without you we're not complete we don't have the fullness of God no one else can do it it's yours from him your unique capacity to love children and grandchildren or to be a fulfilled single person and love many your unique facet of the love of Jesus you your unique way of being a wounded healer in a broken world we can all love as he enables us. He can love through you. If you've found the one at some stage in your journey, do you remember what happened? I remembered as I was preparing this week when, when Merle and I, we'd known each other at church. We were kids in the youth group, teenagers. 
But suddenly it was official that she was my girlfriend. So this honey, tanned, honey blonde, green eyed, sensational girl and this lonely kid who never felt like he belonged anywhere and thought she was just being kind to me because she's kind to everybody is my girlfriend officially we were going steady remember those days officially do you know i remember i jumped from the door of our bed of my bedroom onto my bed which was on the other side of the room it's just this leap of joy to think ah how good is this if human love can so transform people what can happen when the love of the Father for the Son is poured into you by the Holy Spirit because you're Jesus' bride and then through you to a world that's so needy. How transforming is that? I love what happened when Jesus first met Peter. Andrew says to his brother, hey, I found the Messiah. Peter thinks, I'll check this out because he checks out everything. And he comes up to Jesus and Jesus sees him and says, you're called Simon the Reed. You will be called Peter the Rock. See, Jesus doesn't see you as you are. He sees you as he wants to make you, as his love wants to transform you. One final thing. The Bible says that Peter, taking him by the hand, he helped him up. See, the power came from Christ, but the hand came from Peter. He wants your hands. He wants to use your feet. Remember, it's all to do with him. It's for the bedraggled and the bent and the burnt out who can say, take me, Jesus, take me as I am. I come no other way. But the helping hand comes from us and he longs to use you. The lame man only asked for money. How much more than money did he get? Because he's run into the God who can do abundantly above anything he could ask or even imagine. And so have you this morning. In this room, he can do more for you right now than anything you can ask or imagine. But he only received that as he took Peter's hand. God's strength so often comes as we obey, not before. The bread was multiplied when Jesus broke it. The, wine beca- the water became wine when the servants poured it. The little woman was healed when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. What is he asking you to do this morning? How's your marriage to Jesus? Beige? And I thought, how can, Lord, how can I wrap this up? How can I help these beautiful people to see this? And he gave me a promise, one of those great and precious promises. I'll put it on the screen. Jesus said to the group, are you thirsty? So that's the question this morning, are you thirsty? Jesus said, whoever believes in me, out of your inner being, rivers of living water will flow. And he meant the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit. We're coming into communion. And my prayer has been not that we think about how wonderful it was that this happened 2,000 years ago, but that some in this room this morning, in Jesus' name, will leave walking and leaping and praising God.
Jesus is here. And many of you who said pray, who prayed, come Holy Spirit, he has. Jesus holds his hand out to you this morning and says, will you take my hand? Maybe for the very first time. Now, if you're new to all of this and you're not sure about this whole Christian faith thing, feel free just to stay in your seat while we have communion and no one will notice or care. Just be in this moment with God, however that is for you. But maybe for the very first time taking communion, you would say, Jesus, I want to take your hand. Maybe you have committed to Jesus some time back, but it's just become a mundane, routine, humdrum, and you're thirsty. (laughs) If anyone is thirsty, Jesus said, come to me and drink. As you take communion today, Jesus says, my body was broken for you. My blood shed for you, for you, not against you. I want my bride. I want time with my bride. I want to refresh my bride. I want to pour in the oil of my Holy Spirit and break up the hard places. And I want to give you healing for your broken heart and power to overcome the things that have crippled you. Take my hand. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.